like a little bit of pre-COVID uh, <laughs> this morning. God bless you this morning. Hey Amen. You're going to have to sing really strong and loud. I heard Sister Margaret. That's about all I heard. So you just sing this morning. We ain't going to let no devil get no praise this morning. COVID, no COVID. Amen. I know there's many that are at home this morning, but we'll give our Lord praise today. Amen. I was praying this morning. I said, Lord, this is your day. This is your day. We're going to come and worship you. Whether you're at home this morning, you say, this is your day, Lord. I'm going to set it all aside. I'm going to push all of everything that we're dealing with right now to the side and just focus on him this morning. Amen. Amen. I want to sing a song. I was, death hath no terrors. (laughs) I'm a scary song leader. I come up with some songs maybe that we sung in the past. I was like, death hath no terror. COVID hath no terror. Cancer hath no terror. Amen. Nothing hath no tear for the blood bought ones. Amen. This is a stand up song. If I was, uh, I'd almost have you all come to the front, but that's okay. You sing it nice and loud with me. Oh, death hath no tear for the blood bought ones. Oh, glory, hallelujah to the Lamb. Oh, the posted victory of the grave is gone.
sing that song and I just feel better brother Henry that's you might be in your little blankets right now he's tucked away and just being cloistered staying away from all of this as he's going through treatment believing brother Henry is your victory this morning amen sister Laura Collins battling through cancer believing is her victory this morning we're holding her up in prayer their family in prayer as well from Edmonton we're not letting that just we pray for it once and let it go away we're going to storm heaven's gates for the needs of our people. Amen. Sister Bev and different ones that are in need. Amen. Brother George, we'd like to come and open the service in prayer this morning. We have many in need this morning, as you would obviously note. We want to remember them in prayer. Many, many afflicted at home. Curse that demon of COVID one more time, Brother George. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, because this is becoming more than a religion for us. Day by day, we just know that there's something else to this. This is not just a religion. This is God. This is you manifesting. Oh, God, we are glad, oh, God, that we are just one of those that have obtained mercy, that we can see the light of God in our day. But Abraham said, what is the use to have light when you don't have eyes to see? But Lord, we have been so blessed you gave us eyes to see. Then you shine your light, O oh God. We want to rejoice in this light, O oh God. Oh, he said, the joy of the Lord is my strength, O oh God. May there be a sweep of your joy in the camp this morning. 
The Lord will come out like those brethren in that upper room, Lord Master. He said they came out like drunk and Oh God, just intoxicated with the wine of the Holy Spirit. Oh God, may we just, may that just be a surround of your blessing this morning, Lord Master. That we come out like drunks and say, where is the devil? Where is that? Where is that holding me down? Where is that sickness? Oh God, it's you we want to see this morning, Lord. And there's just no mountain too high for you. There's no valley too deep, Lord, Master. Lord, we come this morning knowing, Lord, that we are serving the all-powerful God, Lord. Want to remember our brother Henry? Want to remember our sister, Lord Jesus? Oh, God. Brother Abraham say, when you have gone to the doctor and the doctor say no, when it gets to the point that he cannot help anymore, then definitely we can turn to you, Lord. Oh, God, and you said, remind me, Lord. This morning we want to remind you, Lord. That you promise, oh yes, you promise that all our sickness, you say by your stripes we were made whole. It says it's done already, Lord. Lord, we are just coming to stand in the gap for our brother Henry, for our brother Milko, many of your children that are down under the weather. Oh God, there's still some that can stand in the battle this morning. Devil, you lost already. Because we are standing for our brothers and our sisters. And we condemn that demon of COVID or whatever the name may be. The prophet said they are all demons. Whether you call it edict, whether you call it Omicron, whatever name you have, you are a demon of sickness. We come against you by the authority in the name of Jesus. And we say, we mark it. We say, go no further in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for bringing us to church. And we know you will bless us still this morning. May something be said, oh God, that will draw us closer to you. Oh, granted, dear Father. That at the end of the service, may we look back and say that I had not born within us while he spake with us along the way. May that be our testimony, dear Father. Blessed be your holy name. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. 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 God bless you. May I have your seats this morning. Greet you all in the name of our Lord Jesus. This morning, I was talking with some of my family yesterday, my wife and I, and in the conversation, one of my family members, they said, I'm just so, just so happy to be a Christian. I'm just so thrilled that I'm a Christian. I said, my goodness, that should be our, all our testimony. I'm just joyful as we're, his prayer was made to be a Christian this morning. Amen. What hope do people have? No hope. But in Christ Jesus, we have all the hope. Amen. Amen. So let's pull on the word this morning with our brother Tim. Lord has a specific need he wants to meet today, whether it's in the sanctuary or it's in the, on the internet. You just tug on the word this morning. Sister Margaret, I know you're gonna, might have words with me afterwards, but I want to sing Touch Your People once again. Maybe as the, but her Tim would be, would come this morning, but I know you know the verses, and I'm thinking, I'm hoping they were put into the, in the system. And let's just sing that with the people. You want to come, Sister Margaret, and sing that, sing it with us this morning. Touch your people once again. Amen. I love this song. We need wisdom, we need power, and true love for each other. Amen. We'll sing with you. It won't be a solo. Amen. Do you know this song? Some of you know this song? All right, no hands, but I'll take the one amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's sing that this morning. 
wed Sister Margaret.
Amen. Or do we have a God that can touch us? Amen. How many want to be touched this morning? I want to be touched this morning. As much as I have felt His presence in the office this week, in my study, in prayer, in the Word, there's not a day that what a Christian wakes up in the morning, but what says, Lord, let me meet you today. Let me meet you today. And that's what we want to do this morning. Amen. You can have your seats for a moment. Thank you, Brother Michael. God bless you. We have just a handful of people. I feel like we're back under 50 people in the sanctuary restrictions. My, 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 it just has gone through the uh, congregation. We thank God that it's not too serious. There aren't very many or if any real serious cases. No hospitalizations in the church. And so we're thankful for that. Amen. We give God all the glory for that. But it certainly is very viral and very um, contagious, I guess, is the word. And so we we appreciate the people that have come in contact with it and have um, have tested positive, I guess, or been around positive or families positive or there's positiveness all over the place. And uh, we thank them for just staying home for the benefit of everybody else. And we look forward to seeing you all uh, when you get better. And I'll, I'll talk into the camera over here like we used to. And uh, we look forward to seeing everybody. And amen. I was in Edmonton last weekend. I took the family there. Uh, just on a kind of a surprise holiday for the family. It was actually an opportunity to gather most of my family together. And so I had seven out of my ten children in one location. And we had a wonderful almost family reunion, a wonderful atmosphere, and we just had a great time together. You know, anytime you got two sons for preachers, and, and Brother Tom knows a little bit about that as one, but you know, when you have two sons for preachers, it's not a problem to create an atmosphere. You know, even though some maybe aren't where they ought to be, but the ones that are, we thank God for the atmosphere that's created, and we just had a wonderful time together. And we thank God that we were able to do that. And so I bring greetings this morning uh, from Brother Harold, Brother Ed Hammermeister, to Brother Tom and the ministry here, the congregation here, uh, also to Brother Biscoll and Sister Biscoll and everybody. And so they all send their greetings and their love from Edmonton. I'm getting to get a complex like only on a birthday in my family do I get to preach. Uh, today is my son's birthday. Andrew turned 30 to get today. I, I preached on my birthday, and, and uh, fortunately, I have a big family. So, you know, uh, but uh, my son Andrew turned 30 today, and I was talking to Brother Ed Hammermeister, and uh, he says he's gone from the formative years into the years of service, according to the scripture. Of course, for a Levite, it was from 30 to 50 is the years of service. And and so he's gone from the formative to the years of service. And he said to me, Brother Tommy said, what about those of us that are past those years? What do we call those? I said, those are the informative years. <laughs> We've gained a lot of information <laughs> over those years of service. And, and here we are now into our later years. And so we thank God for still being in service and we can do something. And I trust something this morning will be a blessing to you. There's another birthday coming up tomorrow. Someone that's just a little older than 30. I won't say 
Uh, she probably wouldn't be happy with me if I said who it was. Is that okay, dear? Um, and uh, so we just uh, will leave that there. I do want to make one announcement before we turn to the word. Uh, and that is, if you have, if you don't listen to the podcast, we did a podcast this weekend on uh, the message hub. And we want to announce three new languages that have been added to the mobile app. And that is the Amharic language for Ethiopia and uh, the uh, Myanmar language for Myanmar is the country used to be Burma and the Marathi language for India have all been added now to the mobile app for the message hub and those are available they can download that and study it now in their own language and and they can have the links between the Bible and the message in their own language their own Bible their own their own translated messages these are glorious things and we thank brother Darren we interviewed brother Darren for the message go ahead you can applaud uh, I think these brothers have done a great job and uh, getting these the message out to the people. And you'll want to hear the latest podcast that was released today. Uh, and if you don't know how to get it, you can just ask me and we just uh, trust that it'll be a blessing. You know, it's it, I, I find the podcast not to promote them, but just it helps us to get information out without taking up a lot of time in the service. And so it's there maybe 15 minutes to 30 minutes long and just update you in some area missions. So we trust that it will be a blessing to you. Amen. Let's stand together. Thank you to the musicians. Appreciate that. Sister Joanne, young lady, God bless you. Pressed into service this morning. God bless you each and every one. Appreciate you all. Amen. We appreciate every member of the body of Christ and all that... God has called you to be. May you be the best that you can be. Amen. Let's turn to the book of 1 John this morning. 1 John chapter um, 4. Chapter 4, yes. And we're going to read here. Just before we read, let's just bow our heads together. I don't need to ask if there's needs. We know there's needs in the congregation. But but God is a personal God. And if you have a need this morning, why don't you just hold that before the Lord? Your need might be spiritual. It might be physical. You might not be in service today and, and maybe have a physical need. But maybe you also have a spiritual need. Let's just hold those before the Lord as we go to prayer. Heavenly Father, we just come into your presence We welcome you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that wherever two or three are gathered in your name, whether it be here in the sanctuary, whether it be at home over the Internet, wherever, Father, it might be, you are there in the midst of them. You're here to meet our needs. You're present amongst us, O God. And, Lord, even if it be one by themselves, Lord, you hear their cry. And you know them, Lord, for their their Lives are written on your hands, so to speak, inscribed in your hands, written on the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. You will not forget one, Lord, for that reason you suffered and gave yourself, that we might have the value in the atonement to apply to our lives this morning. Lord, as has already been prayed, let sickness cease, O God. 
Lord, let the enemy, which is already defeated, Lord, may he loose his hold on the bodies, O God, and may the healing virtue that was given at Calvary, which remains in effect today, may it come upon our mortal bodies. Give strength. Give deliverance. Lord, give power, I pray. We are weak, but you are strong. And we confess that this morning. In our weakness, your strength is made perfect. And so have the preeminence, Lord, we pray. Even in the ministry of the Word, the greatest victory is the salvation of the soul. And Lord, we pray that you'll just minister to your children today. Your attributes, may you edify the body, build up the church. May you reveal things. May you give understanding. Lord, may you quicken, O God, that faith might come into the individual. Lord, and that they might rise up in faith from the service this morning with a greater walk and a a greater nearness to the Lord Jesus Christ. We give ourselves to you. We ask, Lord, you to bless the reading of the word, the hearing of it, the speaking of it, Father, in every way. Just have the preeminence, we pray, as we ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. First John chapter 4, we'll read from verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. All right? And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist whereof you have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. The Bible draws a great distinction there, doesn't it? They are of the world, we are of God. You have a choice where you fit in the scripture. You are of the world or you are of God. There's no in between. We want to say we are of God. Amen. We make that confession this morning. And so it says we are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth, and the spirit of error. Amen. The Lord had his blessing to the word. You may have your seats. Came by this message in a strange way this morning. Uh, was actually preparing to speak on Wednesday night, which service was canceled uh, at the last moment. And uh, actually, Brother Tom called me Wednesday morning uh, to see if I was okay with that. And I appreciated any preacher that has preached maybe as much as some of us in the informative age. Uh, maybe we are always happy <laughs> when a service is canceled outside of a, just a real burden. And I didn't really have it. As a matter of fact, at that time, I was still struggling to know Wednesday morning what I was going to preach. 
I was I had spent Tuesday afternoon and, and Wednesday morning just looking to the Lord. I had some thoughts, but nothing really was forming. But something kept saying to me, it's in the book that you're reading. And I, I didn't really understand, but something kept saying that. Read some more. I was reading a book, and I'm reading a book about the Jews that were escaping Nazi Germany before the... the um, the what do they call it, the grand solution or whatever Hitler called it was put into effect. And so before World War II, as people were as many Jews were seeing, you could say, the handwriting on the wall. And they were recognizing we need to get out of here. And and I and I was look, reading some this book was written different stories of different individuals and and something kept saying to me the answers in the book. And so finally I came to the chapter entitled escaping the nazis as soon as i read that title i thought there it is escaping and uh, and i begin to study it and i and i want to title the message this morning maybe a different title i'll call it escape velocity escape velocity and escape velocity is a a bit of a scientific term uh even though science rather uses the word escape speed but we maybe know it by escape velocity and and uh I really feel like this is something Jean Manassi should preach or something, you know, when you get into uh, scientific terms. But, you know, and, I, and I'll just read you. I'll make one. I'll quote one statement out of science and then I'll explain it because you're probably like me. It's, it's kind of a little bit like Greek to you. The escape velocity is the place where the kinetic energy is greater than the potential gravitational energy. And as soon as I read that, I thought, oh, that's so good for the believer because it, it's it, what it's saying is that the energy that moves you is greater than the energy that holds you. All right. And I'll say it this way so that it make it even simpler. The power that separates you from where you are is greater than the power that holds you there. That's escape velocity. And that, that's where we want to be as believer. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The power that is taking us away from this place is greater than the power that is trying to hold us in this place. Amen. And, the, and so the Bible, uh, the word of God talks to the believers here in the, in first John and it says, you, you are of God, little children, verse 4, and have overcome them because, not because you are stronger, not because you are more intelligent, not because you are special, not because you are different, no, because greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. You have overcome them, the scripture says. You have come into the victory. And of course, we know the word overcome is, comes from the, is the word Nikeo, which comes from the word Nike, which only appears once in the Bible. And the word Nike, many of you heard of it as a brand, but the word Nike simply means victory. And so you have overcome. So the word overcome means being in the victory. Or possessing the victory. And, and it's very interesting because the word overcome is a word that is significantly used by the Apostle John in the Bible. It's used once by Luke, writing in the book of Luke. It's used twice 
by Paul writing in the book of Romans, but, but it's used by the apostle John many times in the gospel of John, in first John, and in the book of Revelation many times, especially as we know that the promise to every church age is to the overcomer. And so every time that we see the word overcoming, it's really pertaining to the end. It's really pertaining to the anointing that comes upon the last day because we know John was under that eagle anointing as the, the four gospels were written uh, uh, under different anointings of the lion, the ox, man, and the eagle. And John, under a last day's anointing, was kept in, on the earth until he could be on the Isle of Patmos and see over onto the Lord's day by a series of visions and wrote the book of Revelation so he could talk about the last days and prophesy about the last days and how the events of what would happen in the last days in symbol form in the book of Revelation and John would keep saying to the overcomer to the overcomer and he would look so I'm looking at it like this and I think the Lord is trying to show us something in the book of Revelation and you find it all through the book of Revelation that he keeps reminding us keep holding on greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world to the overcomer comes the promises. The, the bride has overcome the evil one. She's walking in the victory. We're more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. There's a certain something that's taking place in the bride of Jesus Christ. And that is the victory of overcoming. Because there's something in you that is overpowering the forces that are trying to hold you in this world. And I say even this morning, may it come into lives, physical lives that are at home. And may the power that is in you just well up and drive off every symptom. Drive off every affliction of the enemy. Drive off every evil thing that would come in this age and just say, Christ is my victory. Amen. He is everything that we have need of. Amen. John chapter 16, Jesus says, these things have I spoken unto you that you might have Peace, that in me you might have peace. We need that in this age. It's an age of fear. I was talking to Brother Mogus in Ethiopia. He says, when are you coming, Brother Tim? We're missing you. We need to have you here. And I said, Brother, I'm coming as soon as I can. He said, the war has settled down. Everything's good now. We can travel around the country. And I said, as soon as this COVID thing settles down, he says, because he, over there, it's not like it is here. I said, but what what is happening here is the people everywhere are full of fear. And I said, the government has overreacted to the fear of the people. And as a result, we're under great constraints and restrictions and travel restrictions and testing restrictions. And I said, let's give it a few weeks to settle down. And then we'll see we can come over as soon as we can come over. And, and he says, that's true. He says, he says, Perfect love casts out all fear. Amen. Amen. I love to see a young minister just just go right to the word and say, that's true, Brother Tim, but perfect love casts out all fear. No wonder the world's caught up in fear. They've rejected perfect love. They've rejected what God has sent in this hour. But he says, these things have I spoken unto you, that you might have peace. Have you got peace this morning? Amen. Amen. We have peace. It's not foolishness. We're not against wearing masks or all those kind of things, whatever more, if that's, if that's what's necessary. But that's, that's not our peace. That's just fitting in with the, with the regulations and fitting in maybe sometimes where it's prudent if you're around people that are, 
uh, are spreading or spreaders or whatever more. That's all right. It's the same with the vaccines, everything like that. That's all all right. We got nothing to say against that. And vaccinated myself. Why do I have to keep saying that? You know, it's almost like you got vaccinators versus non-vaccinators. And, and, and you know, I think, I think we ought to just move on from that and serve God. Amen. And so, you know, just we just trust that God will lead us. But Jesus said that you might have peace in the world. You shall have tribulation. Oh, he says, I'm come that you might have peace. But in this world, you'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer. So I give you peace, but you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. He says, for I have overcome the world. Amen. Amen. It's not, I'm called an overcomer, but it's not me that has overcome the world. It is him that has overcome the world. I'm sorry to Brother Phil this morning. I apologize. We're supposed to preach like Brother Murphy this morning. That is not moved from behind the pulpit. Because we don't have a lot of cameramen here this morning. So, God bless you, Brother Phil. That's operating, I think, everything this morning. Amen. First John chapter 2. Familiar scripture. He says, I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the father. I've written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I've written unto you, young men. He repeats himself because you're strong. And the word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the wicked one. 1 John 5 says, Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith, which is a revelation. Which is given of God. It's not you believing that overcomes the world. It's the faith that he has put in you. That overcomes the world. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the son of God. Amen. Overcoming. Of course Brother Branham preached on overcoming. How can I overcome? It's interesting. I can go without sniffles. All day, all night, and as soon as I put a mask on, my nose starts to run. I, I, get, I get these sniffles just from wearing these things all the time. I feel bad because when I fly on the airplanes, I'm perfectly healthy. Then I put a mask on and my nose starts to, you know, try to run. And I feel like people are going to think I'm sick or something, you know. Praise the Lord. Good to be in the house of God. Overcoming. Brother Ram says, now we see then, knowing that this is the Laodicean age, knowing that this age needs a sharp rebuke from God. It needs a sharp rebuke. And when our clergy gets so soft and doty, like some aged grandfather to his grandchildren, ever what they do is perfect. Now, Brother Brown's speaking about overcoming. We'll get into his thought here in just a moment. But he's saying, listen, this Laodicean age needs a rebuke. What's he talking about? He's talking about Revelation chapter 3. Knowest thou not that thou art poor, wretched, miserable, blind, and naked? It's a rebuke to the age. It's not a rebuke to the believer. 
The believer's not miserable, blind, and naked. No, they have been clothed in the word of God. They have, blessed are your eyes, for they see. Blessed are your ears, for they hear. But there, but this word is a rebuke to the age. I, I, I'm always marvel when I see and, and read about certain ones in, in different activities of, of life, giving glory to God. And you see them with all kinds of weird haircuts. And you see them with rings everywhere. And you see them with tattoos all over their bodies and everything up and down their arms and whatever more. And they're, they're saying, oh, you know, I, I give glory to God. And I'm thinking, you're not giving glory to God. You need a rebuke. You need to be told the scripture says, don't make any markings on your body. You need to be told what the scripture says about how a woman ought to have her hair and how a man ought to have his hair. You need to learn what is sanctification. You need to learn what is clean cut. And they, they do all kinds of things and they feel like they can be anything in the world and still be a part of Jesus Christ. No, those are the ones that the scripture says, knowest thou not. That thou art, thou art poor, wretched, miserable, blind, and naked. I trust that being under the sound of this message, that you've been brought, you have been brought free from that kind of an attitude. You, you have been made an overcomer in this age. Brother Branham goes on, he says, it's been said so much that God is such a good God until they try to make God just a big doty grandfather. But he is not. He is a father. And a father of righteousness, of correction and love, is always corrective. Love corrects. No matter how bad it hurts, it still corrects. A real mother will correct her children. A real dad will correct. If you get soft and do- if you just get soft and doty and, and let it, and then he stops. He says, "I was crossing a log on on way down the other day down a wash or what is called a hauler, and I jumped up on this log, and the outside of it looked good. It looked like a big old beach log, and when I jumped on it, a great big chunk of it fell off." It was real rotten and doty. And I said, that's the way Christians are becoming. Now, now sometimes when we read, and as a, as a minister, I always try and put it in the context that Brother Brown's putting it in. He's speaking to the age as he saw it in 1963. We're not speaking this to mature believers. This is spoken to those that have not come to their maturity, because you'll see in just a moment... As he's describing it, he says, they can hold no weight at all. So I'll I'll just turn it around. The one that is quickened in Christ can hold the weight, can bear the pressure. Can you say amen to that? Can stand up under what the onslaught of the ages. He says, they, the, the ones like this log, they can hold no weight at all. They don't know what overcoming means. And then I begin to think of this text then overcome keep life in you so he was describing the log that the life had gone out though the outside had had no appearance of change the inside had become soft and doty and rotten and unable to bear the pressure and as he goes on to preach i won't quote a lot but i'll quote a little bit more here as he goes on to preach on overcome and he says you must keep life in you As a Christian, you must realize it's the life that is the most important thing, not the outer appearance. 
It's the life on the inside. It is the most important thing that you can keep a hold of. Because though you make outward appearances, if you lose the life, you won't bear up under the pressure of the age. Amen. It says, when life went out, that's what brought the log into that condition. It made it worse than ever when it laid in the branch where the water was. And so he says, take a Christian that's supposed to be a Christian. Let the life of God go from him. And the experience, the joy of serving Christ. And living in the church where such is going on. He rottens twice as quick. Right, living right under it. So he says someone is in that is in the church that is not partakers of what God is giving the church. He says you'll rotten twice as quick in the church even. He says so if we are trying to follow the message of the hour or at least this part of the message, we should live constantly in the life of Christ. Because if it don't, you lay around and know these things that you're supposed to do and don't do it. And the Bible says, he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it's sin. And he becomes doughty and rotten when you're separated from the life of God. So strive with all that's in you to stay in the life of Christ that you'll be fruit bearing. And there's a statement that brings us to the conclusion, the correct conclusion. The life of Christ is not just shouting hallelujah. It's not just outward praises and those kind of things which are all wonderful and there's nothing against that. I'm glad when people shout. I'm glad when people praise God. But he said more than that, the life of Christ is fruit bearing. The Bible says, I am the vine, you are the branches. You can't bear fruit unless you're in me. You must be in me, abide in me, and I in you. That's a, that's a constant phrase. Jesus says, in that day, this day you'll know I am in the Father, the Father in me, I in you, and you in me. It's a very important aspect of the age that we're living in that we know we're in Him, not in the church. Not, not in, see, that's why the Bible says, as the scripture we read, that it didn't say that by this will you know them that are of God, that they go to Cloverdale Bible Way. Didn't say that, or go to uh, Branham Tabernacle, or go to, go to Edmonton Anti-Message Tabernacle, or whatever it might be. It's not the church, the name of the church, or the group of people you're among, but they that are of God are they that believe Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. They that really believe act like they believe. They that really believe have the li- have received the life of that Christ that came in the flesh. Do you have the life of Christ in you this morning? Is there something moving you? Because I'm building up to uh, escape velocity here this morning. There's got to be something inside of you that's building up that's going to take you away from here. Amen. It's not the church that's going to take you away from here. It's not the books and the messages and different things or even your Bibles that are going to take you away from here. It's the life of Christ that has come into you that's going to propel us out of here. Can you say amen to that this morning? In every age, you know, there's been overcomers. It's not just for the last days. It's every age. It's not even just for the New Testament. It's for the Old Testament. We can go back to the book of Daniel and find Daniel and, and the three Hebrew children as they're called 
living in Babylon. Living in a place they weren't meant to live like we are. In the midst of Babylon. And we're living in a Babylonian age of mystery Babylon. Caught up as they were with the regulations of their age that tried to prohibit them from worshiping. Sound familiar? Now the object of the regulations was not to stop them from worshiping. The object of the regulations was otherwise. For example, when the, when the Hebrew children, the princes were separated as goodly children to, to be to men of learning and to have a certain education, all, all those kind of things, they prescribed for them certain food. You must eat this food from the king's table because it's the best food and we want you to be healthy and in the best food. But it was unclean meat that they were being offered and they wanted to serve God under the word of God. And so they found a way to get around the regulations. Sorry. But they found a way around the regulations to be able to stay where they wanted to stay. Is that right? You know... I'm all for regulations where they don't hinder my worship. But if it comes between regulations and worshiping God, guess which I choose? Worship the Lord. Amen. I'm all for people staying in line with the government regulations as much as is possible. And we do. But it ever comes to a place like they came to a place later on where they said, you can only, you can, nobody can pray. Nobody can make any petition. Nobody can do anything, make any request of anybody except the king for 30 days. Now the king was not against Daniel. But those around him that were evil wanted to make such a law that would make it hard for Daniel to serve God the way he was called to serve God. Because they wanted to weaken Daniel. They were demon-possessed people that were inspired by demons. And so the law said nobody can pray to anybody else. And so Daniel was, I don't even know why I'm saying this. I'm just trying to talk about overcoming. But Daniel was there and he was, he was praying every day, opening up his windows, praying towards the temple as, as Jonah had written, you know, if any man, you know, turns towards this temple and prays and there's Daniel praying, oh God, you know, he was down in Babylon for 70 years. They were in captivity. And they had certain rules. But he said, you know what? I'm going to serve God no matter what it costs me. And of course, they caught him praying during the season that he was not allowed to pray. And he was cast into the lion's den. Is that right? But being cast into the lion's den, did Daniel, was Daniel with God or without God? He was still with God. Or God was with him in the lion's den that he was an overcomer. He wasn't just an overcomer of the lions. He was an overcomer. I hate to say this and I don't want to sound like a rebel, but he was an overcomer of the regulations. He was an overcomer of the government decrees. Right now, we're thankful we have a place to worship. We're so thankful that we can come together. We're thankful that we can come into this place that God has provided. We're grateful we still have freedom of religion in this country. But don't be mistaken. The devil will try to inspire people. And I'll say it no other way. Than with stupid laws. 
that to stop the elect of God from worshiping. But I say we love the Lord more than any regulation there is. Amen. We just love him. And as long as we're able to worship, we will worship. And when we're not able to worship, we'll worship some more. Amen, Brother Phil. The Hebrew children said, you must bow down to this idol. You must, as soon as the music sounds, everybody's got to bow to this idol. And everybody bowed down and there were three Hebrew children sticking out like sore thumbs. We're not bowing to anybody else. There was a government rule. It was an edict from the government. They said, we're standing on the word of God. Because something was moving them. And they were overcomers. And though they got cast into the fiery furnace, he was with them in the fire. He was the fourth man in the fire. And he was the victory that they had in their age. Through him, they were more than overcomers. They were willing to give their lives, but they overcame. Amen. They overcame. So Brother Branham says, and how can I overcome? In the days of Daniel's time. This, is, this might not seem like a fluffy little message. But he says, in the days of Daniel's time, there was four overcomers that could stand the test of fire and lions. Now, we're expected to be tested. Amen? We're expected to be tested. And that's a good lesson. Now, I'm not up here to tell you what to do and how to do it. That's for the anointing. What is the anointing? Supreme power and control, knowing exactly what and how. All right? That's for God to deal with you individually in your situation. God to reveal it to you. We don't, we don't rule, we don't walk in life by the edicts of the church. Can you say that? Can you say amen to that? We don't walk in life by the edicts of the preacher. We walk in life by the leading of the Holy Spirit. There is no condemnation to those who walk not after the flesh, but walk after the Spirit. Amen. And so he says now, he says, we're expecting to be tested. That's a good lesson for my brother back there also. So he's applying it to somebody right in the service. He says, he that cometh to God must first be tested. Tested what? With the word. That's God's test. Do you believe it? He that cometh to God must be tested. He says, you can't overcome unless there's a test given to you. And when a test is given, it's to see whether you can overcome or not. And Jesus said to him that overcometh the test. The test is the greatest thing that happens to you. That gets quiet when you go there, doesn't it? Now let me say it again. The test is the greatest thing that happens to you. I'll try one more time. The test is the greatest thing that happens to you. Amen. If you had no test, you couldn't be an overcomer. But the test is the greatest thing that happens to you. He says, Peter said that our trials are worth more to us than precious gold. He says, it's a testing time. And one good evidence that God is with us. Or I'll say it this way. One good evidence that you've got escape velocity. One good evidence that you've got enough propellant to take you out of here. Is that when we're tested... For all the children of God are tested and tried. So he never sends us a test unless there's something in us to overcome the test. All right. We realize that the overcomers in every age are few. 
They're, they're, they're not many. You know, in G, even then when Jesus himself was born, there wasn't many people that recognized that Jesus was born. We know Zachariah, Elizabeth, Joseph, Mary, Simeon, and Anna. There were shepherds that were attending their flocks in their field. And there were wise men. Let me talk about these men for a few minutes. That left their country at the beginning when the sign showed itself. And they followed the sign for two years. To come across from the eastern countries all the way across to where the sign would be fulfilled. They come into the land so that the child now had grown up for two years. And they, and they come down into Jerusalem not knowing where the child was. But knowing he's been here two years. Surely everybody knows who he is. Because this is he that's born king of the Jews. This is the Messiah. This is the promised one. This is the hope of all humanity. Now born on the earth. Oh, what a great sign. And these three men come encouraging themselves through trials, through tests. They had to have a certain, I'll say, escape velocity to leave their own civilization behind. They had to separate themselves from their families and from their, their loved ones and from their income and all that kind of thing. And they had to go to where it was revealed to them the promise of the hour was. And as they came into the land and they come into Jerusalem, they were expecting a revival and they found deadness. No overcomers there. And they found deadness. And they said, where is he that is born king of the Jews? And the king says, um... I'm not sure. Hang on a minute. He calls the, the, the priests, the rabbis. If the Messiah was born, where would he be born? And they looked in the scripture and said, in, Jeru- in Bethlehem, the least of the princes of Judah. Out of thee shall come a governor that will rule thy people. And, and so that if he's anywhere, he's in Bethlehem. And so the king said to the wise men, well, you go to Bethlehem and, and you find him. And, and then... Uh, I'll come and worship him too. Really, he just wanted to kill him. But he says, I'll come and worship him too. Now, just think about this for a moment. Three men, three overcomers, came through two years of trials to get to the place. They're excited. He's born. We have seen his star in the east. We have come to worship him. Here we are now. This is the greatest thing that has happened right in your midst. Every religious person in Israel should have descended upon Bethlehem. Here's a sign to them now. Everybody should have gone there. Everybody should have searched them out. Everybody should have took their gifts. Everybody should have been excited. But instead of that, they go, well, let us know when you find something. And they went down to Bethlehem and they found him and they worshipped him and they gave him their gifts. What a shame. Why? Because the life had left. They were outwardly Jews. They were outwardly Jehovah worshipers. They were outwardly people that loved God. But really, they didn't love the fulfillment of Scripture in their day. And that's a key point. To love God is to love it when He fulfills His word in your day. We're not worshiping a God of history. We're not worshiping a God of 2,000 years ago. We're worshiping a God who is fulfilling His redemptive purpose right now. There's emphasis for you. That must be me.
somehow. Recognizing your day and its message. Brother Brown says overcome means to recognize the devil at every one of his tricks. To overcome, you must recognize that God is greater and mightier than he is. That the one that's in you has already overcome him. And by his grace, you are more than a match for him. By God's grace, we're more than a match for him. It doesn't matter what comes, we're more than a match for him. It's not me, it's the one that's in me. I don't know what I'm doing here, Brother Phil. I don't... By God's grace, we are more than victorious. I'm going to take my jacket off just in case. That's going to do it. I don't want to disrupt this because there's nothing worse, as I found out from watching one of the services when I was away, than to stand here and they can't hear you on the internet. (laughs) That happened somewhere, I think watch night or something. But uh, there it is right there. I think that was just a loose wire or something. All right, I'll try and try and keep it. Try and keep it quiet. You still with me? All right. All right. Thank you. Recognizing your day and its message. Recognizing the power of God that is released in your age is the propellant you need to overcome that age. The power that of God that was released at Calvary has been spread to every age. Ephesus received their portion and they burned up their portion and they went out with their portion as under a lion anointing and they spread the gospel and they were fearless and they preached the gospel around the world. Why? Because God anointed them to do that. They were overcomers in that age the pressure of the age was to hold them quiet the pressure of the age was that what is this thing that that you say somebody has died paul went up to athens and preached on mars hill and saw them debating intellectual about this god and that god and this idea and that philosophy and these things very much like this day and paul stood up amongst them he says i came in here and i i saw an altar he says written to the unknown god He says, I want to declare to you that God, the one you don't know, the God of a resurrection. And as soon as he started to preach the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Bible says they laughed at him. The Bible says they scoffed at him. The Bible says it's insanity. But I'm here to preach a resurrection of Jesus Christ. And furthermore, I'm here to preach a resurrection of the bride of Jesus Christ. There's coming a resurrection. Oh, they may scoff at it. They may laugh at it. But I'll tell you something. Just any day now. Just any moment. We know that the Lord himself has descended from heaven with a shout. And the voice is going out over the entire earth to pull a bride out of the grave. There's a power of the resurrection that's moving in this hour and lifting the bride of Jesus Christ. Till one of these days we're going to see a resurrection. We've seen it spiritually speaking, but we're going to see it naturally speaking. We're going to see people come out of the grave. We're going to see people that walk amongst us. We're going to see saints that have gone on before us. And they're going to stand in the glory of God. And the world says, oh, it's just foolishness. No, it's not foolishness. 
It's the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's moving in his people in this day. The power which has been released. And furthermore, if you want foolishness, I'll make it even more foolish for you. One day, I, who turned 60 just a few weeks ago, I am going to turn young again. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, this body is going to be changed. Amen, Brother Mark. It's going to take on a different attitude. There'll be no effects of aging. There'll be no effects of COVID. There'll be no effects of nothing. We'll all be young again. We'll be walking in the glory of our youth, glorifying the name of Jesus Christ. It's going to happen. I'm preparing for that. I don't know when it's going to happen. I just know it's going to happen. I know the power of it is building up day by day. In Noah's day, there were eight people. Praise the Lord. I I like this statement. There were eight people that were caught inside when the door closed. We can talk about the people that were caught outside. But there was eight people that were caught inside. Amen. I don't want to be the ones wanting to time the door closing. Amen. Noah didn't close the door. God closed the door. Noah kept the door open. He says, time for us to move into the ark, but I'm not closing the door. Maybe there's one more. Maybe there's two more. Maybe there's a few more. We'll fit them in somehow. But you know, we're overcoming with the destruction that's coming on this age. But one day, God closed the door. And as much as they were stuck on the outside, so was Noah's family stuck on the inside. And as far as I'm concerned with, with this message, I want to be stuck on the inside. That's me. That's the overcomer. I'm stuck on the inside. Praise the Lord. When the Lord closes the door, I want to be stuck saying, I can't believe anything but the message. When there's nobody else to believe, I want to say, I can't but go on believing anyway. I'm stuck with it. I would imagine that Noah's family, there was nobody amongst them that said, oh, I wish I was stuck on the outside. There wasn't nobody that was saying, oh... You know, I just, you know, uh, no, there was nobody saying that. They were just saying, oh, thank God. I, I, I maybe struggled with it. I maybe had a lot of battles. I maybe doubted my dad sometimes. Maybe I doubted his preaching or I looked at his personality too much or I looked at his strange quirkiness too much. I, I had trouble seeing past the badger skin, but I'm glad I stayed with it. Amen. When the door closed, I'm glad I stayed with it. I'm sure they had cousins on the outside. I'm sure they had relative loved ones on the outside. Lord have mercy. I'm sure there was many that said, you know, we we don't say anything bad about the message. You know, we we don't want to say anything uh, that disagreeable about it. You know, Noah... And Ham, Shem, and Japheth, you know, you know, we, uh, we, we know you believe what you believe is a little bit different and that sort of thing. We have nothing against you. You're good people. We believe in God too. Come on, saints. Amen. It's exactly what was happening. We believe in God too. We, we, we serve the same God. We believe the same thing. No, they didn't believe the same thing. Because God has sent his power to propel them out of that age. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the revealing of the Son of Man. Sorry, I'm going to have to go to this. What do I do here? Is there a button down here? There is. Okay, I got it. Power. Just give me this microphone and...
turn off the one that's cracking. Amen. As it was in the days of Noah, Luke 17 says it. Are you still with me this morning? It says they ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage. Hello? They thought marriage was very important. Until the day Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. I notice it doesn't say marriage there. It was Sodom. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Is that right? Even thus shall it be when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he which shall be upon the housetop, and his stuff is in the house, let him not come back down to take it away. He that in the field, let him likewise not return back. And then he makes this statement. Remember Lot's wife. All right, turn with me to Genesis chapter 19. I won't try not to keep you too long this morning. Genesis chapter 19, we'll turn together. We're not just escaping this age, but we're also escaping the judgment that is already determined for this age. This age, the judgment of it is already determined. It's already announced. And it's how you look at this world that determines your life and your overcoming. So I want you to notice here now in Genesis chapter 19 and verse 17. And the angels brought them out of the city. It says, it came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad, he said to them, escape for thy life. Look not behind thee. Neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, O not so, my Lord. Behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight. And thou, shalt, thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life. And I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me and I die. Behold, now this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, and I will not overthrow this city for which thou hast spoken. Haste thee and escape hither. Verse 22, Brother Brown takes that text right there. The Lord directs him, haste thee, escape hither. And you read that message, a very powerful message. He says, for I cannot do anything till thou become hither. And therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. And the sun had risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar. Then the Lord rained upon the Sodomites and upon the Gomorites, or we could say upon Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the city and that which grew upon the earth. But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. But I want you to notice this now. We often stop there. Lot's wife looked back. Jesus records, remember Lot's wife. All right, Luke 17, remember Lot's wife. 
Now here we're looking at Lot's wife. She turned around and looked back. Well, look at the next verse. And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before, and he looked towards Sodom and Gomorrah. So it wasn't just looking that was the destruction. It was the attitude in the looking. It was as she she looked back, there was something in her that did not want to be separated from Sodom and Gomorrah. There was something in her that still felt attached to that city. But when Abraham looked at Sodom and Gomorrah, as he rose early in the morning, which is the time of the destruction, as he looked at Sodom and Gomorrah and and saw the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, it had no effect upon him. So what he saw and what she saw was two different things. You know, we can look at what Brother Branham preached on the way of a true prophet. As he says, as the prophet Amos crested the, the was it Amos or Mike, Mike, I can't remember, crested the hill as he looked down upon the city. He wasn't seeing what the tourists saw. Come on. He wasn't seeing what they saw in that age. He wasn't seeing the popularity of the city. He wasn't seeing the highlights. He wasn't seeing those things. He was seeing the evil that was done in that city. Amen. He was moved by how that this God of heaven looked down upon that city and must have been grieved in his spirit because Micah was grieved in his spirit. And when you look at the Sodom that's all around you, this spiritual Sodom that we are living in, what are you seeing? Are you enticed by the highlights? Are you enticed by the things that you look at? Or is there something in you that says, oh God, keep me safe. From these things that the devil has in this age. Oh my, overcoming the world means be getting ready to disconnect from this world. I was talking, I was speaking last week in Edmonton. I said, if you want to know if you're ready to disconnect from this age, disconnect from social media. Just do it. Are you ready to disconnect from Laodicea? Are you ready to disconnect from Satan's Eden? Just disconnect from social media. Just do it. Just pull the plug. No more Facebook. No more Instagram. No more TikTok. I trust nobody uses TikTok, but maybe you got TikTok or you got some other app. I don't even know what they all are. And if I didn't mention the name you're addicted to, don't think you're scot-free. All right? But if you want to know if you're ready to disconnect, just pull the plug. Just say, I I don't want no more of Laodicea. And it even can get to the news. Which deals with me. And, and, and the things that, that everything wants to be. And I, I say to myself in the morning, you know what? I'm really not interested in the politics of this age, which is all deception. I'm really not interested in everything they're doing. I want to know what God's doing in this hour. When I have to look at Sodom and Gomorrah, I want it to be with the eyes of Abraham, not with the eyes of Lot's wife. Amen. We've got to live in this world. Uh, Daniel had to live in Babylon. The Hebrew children had to live in Babylon. Noah had to live in his age. Enoch had to live in this his, in his age. But Enoch had a testimony as he walked with God and God took him. He had this testimony that he pleased God. He might not have pleased his neighbor. He might not have pleased those in authority over him. He might not have pleased those around him. But he pleased God. I say, Lord, let my life be that in wherever I am and whatever I do, I don't care what the world thinks of me. And quite frankly, I don't even care what the rest of the believers think of me. 
I want to know what you think of me. Am I living the way I ought to live in this last days? Am I looking at things the way I ought to look at things? Doesn't mean we're not in the world. It's not a hermit life we're talking about. I was talking to a brother after the service Sunday. Sunday night we had some fellowship and I was talking to this brother. He says, you know, I did that, Brother Tim. I disconnected from social media. He says, for about two days. He says, the pressure was enormous. He says, I was so used to those dopamine hits, which if you understand how they operate, you know, the little uh, dings when you get a message or somebody likes your post or, or, or you're looking at somebody else's life and all those kind of things. He says, he says the, the little hits in the body and in the mind were real. He says, but after about two days, he says, I broke free. Hallelujah. God set me free. And he says, I haven't looked back since. I thought, oh yeah, praise the Lord. There's an Abraham in our day. Amen. I haven't looked back since. I'm just going onward with God. And I thought, Lord, give us all that grace to live above the things that the devil tries to put into our lives in this age. I go a little bit further. You know, I was noticing something as, as Brother Branham began to preach on certain things. And I was looking at how he was lo- approaching it in his day, in the 50s. And it was interesting, in, in 1956, Brother Branham preached a message entitled, Handwriting on the Wall. All right, And so it's, it's actually a pronouncement to America that you've been weighed in the balances and found wanting. That's 1956. After that, the Brother Branham says, I don't even pray for America anymore. And, and he, he says, America is finished. It's rejected the message, its message, and, and all of those things. Well, let me just read you a portion here. He says, look at it, he says. Look at the filth. Look what it's done. Look at the strip teases. Look at everything on the radio. Not on the radio, but on the television. You put in the movies and you try and keep your kids away from the movies, you holiness people, you good people, you people that's tried to preach the truth, you people that's tried to stand by it. And the devil's trying to get one ahead of you. You know what he done? He put it right in your house in the name of internet. I'm sorry, he said television. He said put it right in your house in the name of television. He says, and now we have got so low down and so corrupt and we have succeeded and went past Paris until now, they're fashioning after us. Oh, my. He says, "When I, I won't even describe some of the things he describes here. It's, it's just really sad. He talks about walking the streets of Paris, and it's like an outhouse, and how they stunk on the street. And he says, I think the whole nation of America has become a modern urinal in the sight of God. Now, Brother Bradham, in 1956, he says, I walked down the streets of Paris, and it smells like an outhouse. What about the streets of America today? All the homeless people and everything. What is that? That's the results of them rejecting the Word of God. He says, America has become a modern urinal in the sight of Almighty God when divorce and rape and crime, and stop it if you can, you can't stop it. God said it would be so. She's ripe for judgment. Then he says, purpose in your heart 
that you'll not defile yourself with the things of the world. Purpose in your heart. That's Daniel and the Hebrew children in Babylon. They, they purposed in their heart that they would not defile themselves. So that's 1956. I'm just going to show you something here. Give me your attention for just a few minutes. In 1957, Russia launched Sputnik. Okay? And that was uh, in October of 1957. It was September 1956. Brother Brown preached handwriting in the wall. So in October 1957, every 98 minutes, this satellite went over America. Now, for those of you young people that have grown up with this kind of thing, satellites, spaceships, all that kind of stuff, this was an incredible event, all right? This shocked the world because of two things. Number one, nobody had ever sent an an object into space in orbit. It was the first man-made object that went into orbit in space. Number two, the propaganda of America was, and we know today how much that prevails, but the propaganda of America was actually telling everybody Russia is just a backward country. We have nothing to fear in Russia. Up until this time, everybody thought, oh, Russia is just a bunch of backward people. They're just a bunch of uh, country folk and, you know, unintelligent and all that kind of thing. All of a sudden, Russia launches by this great big rocket up into space, uh, this this great satellite. Uh, and it wasn't very big. It's only about two feet across, about the size of a beach ball. And it goes now it goes around the world every 98 minutes for about three weeks. And you could see it with your naked eye. And you didn't even need a telescope to be able to see it. I see someone here that's old enough to remember that. And so now all of a sudden the world's attention is gripped. Well, it isn't just the world's attention. Brother Branham's attention is gripped. Because now he makes a statement. And I want you to catch this now. He makes a statement. I don't have it here. But he makes a statement and he says now, he says, you saw Sputnik just being reached. He says, that's the answer for judgment in America. He says, and I'm going to preach on that. The Lord has told me to preach on it here in a few days. And, and a few months later, in the city of Chicago, he re-preaches handwriting on the wall and refers back to the Sputnik satellite. So what's happening here is a prophet of God, by the Spirit of God, says to America in 1956, he says, you're found in the balances and found wanting. All that's left to you is judgment, and another nation will conquer you. All right? 1957, he sees the satellite, he sees the means, which is also the first intercontinental ballistic missile, he sees that come into place and he recognizes the means by which Russia is going to destroy America. And he goes back to the message that he's already preached and said, that what you're seeing in the sky, is that what I preach back here? Amen. I'm glad it wasn't the other way around. That he saw the satellite and then preached handwriting on the wall. He already announced judgment and now Russia takes its place. And sends it off in it. Now, America might have got a reprieve by the USSR collapsing, but it's still going to happen. They still have their missiles. Uh, uh, Brother Branham's still announcing judgment. Just like Elijah on Mount Carmel. Yeah, people might have looked at that and said, that little satellite can't do nobody any harm. He wasn't looking at that satellite. He was looking at the advancement in technology. 
And he was recognizing the things which he spoke for America, destruction of America, and even the vision that he had had of America being a pile of ashes. He was now through prophetic vision recognizing that the means for what I saw in a vision is already manifested in the world today. Just like Elijah on Mount Carmel as he began to pray and pray and pray. And he asked sir, what, what do you see? He says, I see the cloud about the size of a man's hand. And Elijah says, you better run because it's going to rain. And this whole place is going to be soaked. And somebody might say, oh, that's just a little cloud. That's not going to do nothing. But through prophetic vision, that little thing he saw was the manifestation of the promise that when I pray for it, God will send rain upon Israel. And there was a prophet in our day that announced judgment upon America. And what we've seen growing all these years is the destruction of the very country of America. And sorry to our American brothers and sisters. But that's the truth. America is already judged. It's already finished. Say, so, well, what, how does this pertain to, to us as the bride of Jesus Christ? There was something else that happened in 1959. So I looked at the space program. 1959 was the first time a, a man-made vehicle reached escape velocity. And you already, I already told you what escape velocity is. Russia made a, a, a spacecraft, put it in a rocket called Luna 1. And their object, their object was to hit the moon with this, with this uh, satellite. They were sending it to the moon to just impact into the moon. Well, they missed the moon, actually. <laughs> Missed it by about 6,000 kilometers, if you know the story. And uh, it just sailed right past the moon and, and left Earth's gravitational pull and went into orbit around the sun and is still orbiting around the sun. Uh, be somewhere between Mars and Earth, uh, it's orbiting around the sun. What I'm, what I'm telling you is they discovered in further advancement what it would take to leave the Earth. But when we leave the earth, it's not going to be by natural means. When we leave the earth, it's by a certain propellant or a certain strength that God puts in his people that completely separates us from this realm. Can you say amen to that? There's got to be something take place. And that's what the reality of the word of God that he sends to us now. Now, if I'm talking about space, you still with me now? If I'm talking about space now, the, uh, the obvious logical next step in the message is go to the message countdown. You got it. And so countdown is a message where Brother Branham did, begins to describe the advancement of technology. All right. He begins to talk about the horse and buggy age and how that Luther's age, they were moving with the horse and buggy, but it wasn't very fast. They weren't getting very far. But they were moving. And, and you know what? No matter how fancy they made those buggies or those carriages, it was still limited to the power of the horse. You can put two horses on it or four horses on it or six horses on it, but it's still limited to a few horsepower. But then along, Brother Branham says, comes Wesley. And in the time of Wesley, the Model T Ford. And under the Model T Ford now, there was a different kind of horsepower. And a horsepower that was put into an engine and people began to move in a certain, uh, a certain greater way and moved under that kind of an inspiration for a long time. Now I want, I said that to say this. It didn't matter whether it's a Model T Ford or whether it's a Tesla. 
it's still a car. And it's still judged by horsepower. It's still, even the electronics, the electric cars, they still transfer it back or equivalate it to horsepower. Is that a word? I don't know. And, and so that could only get people a certain, a certain amount on this earth. But then Brother Branham says along comes the Pentecostal movement. And he likened it to the Wright brothers leaving this earth. And we were just on an airplane, a very nice airplane to go from here up to, uh, uh, Edmonton. It was a nice aircraft. The seats were nice. Uh, everything was nice. It was clean. Lots of people were on there with their masks and all that sort of thing. I'm glad that it wasn't the airplane that the Wright brothers were using. Praise the Lord. That would have been very cold to say the least. But nevertheless, it was still an airplane. It was still based on the same principles that the Wright brothers based their discovery on. Is that right? Now, what I'm saying is that it doesn't matter whether it was Luther or whether it was um, some of the others in his age, whether it be, um, uh, uh, I can't even think of some of the names right now off the top of my head, Zwingli or Calvin or, or those different ones in that hour. It didn't matter who they were, how nice they made the horse and buggy. It was still the just shall live by faith. Understand what I'm saying? It didn't matter in Wesley's age whether it was Wesley or whether it was uh, the some of the other great preachers of that age of Spurgeon or different ones. It was still the same age, an age of sanctification, an age of furtherance from justification, an age of a further revelation in the Word of God. Now I'll go a little bit further and say it doesn't matter whether it was 1906 Azusa Street or whether it was some other move down through the ages right on into the message of the hour under the first and second post. It was still Pentecostalism. All right? You understand what I'm saying? It was still limited in its trajectory. But then Brother Branham says in the message countdown, he says, but now something else has happened. He's talking about the natural. He says, we have an astronaut now. And he talks about John Glenn and the different ones and what they accomplished and how they went to the moon and how they had to get there, you know, reach a certain velocity and all those kind of things. He says, what does it represent? He says it represents a spiritual age, a spiritual time where God's going to have spiritual astronauts. Can you say amen to that? He says they're here right now, the eagles of the air that can go beyond any other bird. Sail above everything spiritual astronauts that can take the word of God and prove that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. So he's not just talking about himself. He's talking about a message that takes a people into a higher sphere than what an airplane or Pentecost took them. This message takes us places that Pentecost could never take us. Can you say amen to that? He says he's been, what do natural astronauts do? He's been able to achieve that. And God, through men that will stay with the Bible and stay with, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Not afraid of the promise, regardless of what anybody said. You become an astronaut that can go far beyond denominational thinking. It's beyond anything else. It's beyond the things of the church. Out yonder with God and him alone you stay astronauts it says this message came to put you into a i'll say stratospherical realm where you walk with god alone it's the empowerment that you know that greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world around you 
It's a different world around Brother Larry than it is around Brother Mark, than it is around Brother Timothy, than it is around Brother Yomi or Brother Israel or Brother Sam. It's a different world that you walk in. It doesn't matter whether you're walking downtown. It doesn't matter whether you're you're walking uh, in your business. It doesn't matter if you're retired. It doesn't matter where you're walking. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Greater is the one that has filled you with himself than anything that you have to overcome. Say, well, how how do I know I got enough? Just stay in the word. Just stay in the word. You know, Israel, coming out of Egypt, they they had to go through lots of plagues, didn't they? It was all around them. Didn't, Didn't affect them, but it was all around them. The plague of the frogs. The plague of the locusts. The plague of the lice. The, the hail that destroyed the crops, the moraine that came upon the cattle and, and the livestock and all those kind of things, the darkness that fell upon the land it was happening all around them. Is that right? It was all happening. Until they came to the last plague where they, they had to apply the blood. The life must be on display. It comes back to the life is the overcomer. And the life had to be on display in their lives. And they had to be represented there. Because if the life wasn't represented, there was no way for them to go out. But they had begun from the beginning of the plagues to be filled with faith in the word of God. And in God's servant, realizing the hour that they're living in. Realizing this really is the time of deliverance. Sometimes I wonder what God has to do to convince us. This really is your time of deliverance. How many more plagues do we have to go through? Before we realize God is really with us. You know, when they saw the frogs in Egypt, but not in their houses. They saw the locusts in Egypt, but not in their houses. They had to go to work in Egypt. Hello? That's where they worked. And so they, they had to do all their slavery stuff that they did. But they saw the locusts. They saw the frogs. They saw the lice. They saw all those things. But when they went home, it wasn't there. And they said, oh, thank God for this message. Come on, saints. Oh, thank God for this message. Yeah, it's out there in the world. And we try to keep our young people from it. But they they, 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 they want to just, oh, well, it's not that bad out there. I'll tell you what, it's plagues out there. And the devil wants to convince you it's not that bad out there. It's plagues that are out there. And they're falling all around. And, and because sin shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And all kinds of evil taking place in the world. You can't hardly read the news, but you get disgusted. At how low humanity can go. I've been reading this book about what the Germans were doing to the Jews in that age. And I thought, I can't hardly read but a little bit at a time. It just grieves my heart so bad. It just, it makes me weep inside. Saying, oh, how can people treat their fellow human beings so poorly? It just grates me and grieves me so, so hard. I can't hardly read it. But that spirit's not just in Germany anymore. It's everywhere. And the devil putting all kinds of violence in all kinds of people's hearts. What's happening? They're being prepared for a tribulation. Don't go out there. Get stuck on the inside of the door. When the door closes, be stuck on the inside. It's not closed yet. I don't believe it's closed yet. But when it does close, 
I don't want to be stuck out there. I want to be stuck in here. And there was Israel and the plagues they went through and all the things that they saw. And they said, this is our hour. This is our time. And finally, Moses says, all right, there'll be one more. Put the blood on the door. Put the life on display. Because there's death going through the land and the firstborn will die on it in every house where the blood is not on display. And they come out at that time under a mighty hand. But they were missing one thing. The word was not mixed in their heart with faith. There was only two that had received the word into their hearts with faith and said this message is more real to me than this world. This message is more important to me than anything else. We are more than able. This is our time. This is our season. We are more than able to fulfill the promise of God for His people. We are the call of God to fulfill the promise of this age. We are more than able to take the land. If God be for us, who can be against us? There's nothing else can happen. And, and they were fully convinced. And that was, of course, Joshua and Caleb. They were fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to do. Because the others, when they came to their time of testing, then they were saying, well, let's go back to Egypt. Lot's wife. Let's go back to Egypt. Let's go back now to the leeks and the garlics. Let's go back now. Oh, let me tell you something. I feel sorry for those that walk away from this message. I don't despise them. I feel sorry for them. I genuinely feel sorry for them. There is nothing out there because I came from out there. And I came into this light. And I, I say, Lord, let me be found on the right side of the door when it closes. We've moved into a different time, saints. Here we are at the beginning of 2002 as I bring this to a close. Brother Tom preached the New Year's message last week. I didn't get a chance to listen to it. I don't know what you preached on. You never even told me. But here we are at the beginning of another year. But it's not important that you recognize what calendar it is. 2022. Did I say 2002? I did. 2022. I'm not trying not to live in the past. But here we are now in 2022. But that, that number doesn't make a difference. What makes a difference is you know your season. This is the season where God has a word that he has sent the power to fulfill in this age. A power to take us out of here. That may be building up in your life. I pray that you're like the next generation that came out of Egypt. As they watch all of these things happen around them. And they watch the complainers perish in the wilderness. They watched all the ones that had different ideas than Moses all fall by the wayside. But they saw Joshua and Caleb that stayed true to the word of God. And they, that all built up to a certain place. And I, and I just want to say this. As they put the blood on the door, I think 
when they painted the doors with that blood, it meant something different to Joshua and to Caleb than it meant to many others. To all the people, it was protection. Protection from the death angel. But I think to Joshua and Caleb, it was also separation. Separation from Egypt. Separation from a former life. Separation from caring what the Egyptians thought. And what the Egyptians had control over their lives. They viewed that blood as victory over everything associated with Egypt. And they went out under that power and they never stopped going forward. Because that's what escape velocity is. When you reached escape velocity, it's saying there's nothing stops you. You just keep moving forward. Matter of fact, it says at that level of escape velocity, when something leaves something like the earth and begins going away from that gravitational pull, it begins to slow down. It begins to decrease because it's, it has a certain amount of energy that has propelled it. But even as it begins to decrease in speed, it already has enough speed that it will break that gravitational pull and keep going. It doesn't need any more. And it may appear like things are slowing down. It might appear like time is going on. It might appear like, you know, where is the promise of His coming? As the Scripture says, many will say in the last days. But in the midst of all that, it may appear like it's slowing down. But this bride has reached escape velocity. There is nothing that is going to stop her. She has received the propellant of the message of the hour. That will take her beyond the ties of this world. And move her right into glory. To ever be with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me read you one more quote as I... As, I, as the musicians come. Brother Branham says the church. This is out of former and latter rain. Says the church and all of its spiritual gifts and lights and so forth. And the great signs that he's given the church to look at. There's a world out there. The fig tree putting forth its buds. There's earthquakes in divers places. All these other things are handwriting on the wall to the world. But you see these signs appearing. The works that I do shall you do also. A little while and the world seeth me no more. Yet you shall see me. I'll be with you even in you to the end of the world. These great signs appearing. The spirit in the church is becoming so close like Jesus. Till the church and the spirit will unite together and the resurrection will come. He says, oh, you stars of the morning, morning lights, put your alarm back on, rise up, wash your face, get the night out of your eyes, shine forth the approaching of the Son of God. He says, long healing lines should be gone long ago. The miracles and the performance of God has got so much greater than that in this day until that's a back thing because we got a former and latter rain falling together. He says, it's the hour. Do you believe it? So I want to say this morning, what does the blood mean to you? 
Is it just protection or is it separation? The blood of Jesus Christ that is applied. The powers of God that are moving right now in the bride of Jesus Christ are taking us beyond where Luther could ever take us. Beyond where Wesley could ever take us. Beyond where Pentecost could ever take us. Right up into the glories of being united with Him. Faith coming to perfection in the bride. Just play softly the blood that Jesus shed. Let's stand together. I had an experience. I shared it with the brothers here a while ago. I had an experience just before Christmas. Uh, my children had got sick. I don't know if it was COVID or not. We didn't have them tested. It was just the week before Christmas. And they were, you know, the nose was running. They were coughing, the sore throat, all those kind of things. Maybe it was Omicron. Maybe it wasn't. It doesn't really matter. They were sick. I was thanking God. You know, I, I, I wasn't sick. My wife wasn't sick. And so the children were getting over it. Then finally, about two days before Christmas... And which in which a family event was planned, then I began to feel sick as they got better. And that one night I just sat on the couch. I thought, oh, Lord, because of all the talk of this Omicron thing going around, I thought, I don't want to make anybody else sick. And here I am starting. My nose is starting to run. My throat is starting to feel bad and all of these kind of things. And so we just had... Our evening devotion with the children, which we try to always have. And we were sending them off to bed. And my wife said something about, uh, you know, daddy's not feeling very well. So just say goodnight to daddy and you'll see him in the morning. And and so uh, my son Gideon, and I'm not wanting to single him out, but I'm just using it as an example. He said to my wife, he says, well, I know how to pray for daddy. He's four years old. He says, I know how to pray for daddy. And my wife, of course, says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, let's, let's go to bed. Let's. Go, no, no. He says, I know, I know how to pray for daddy. And, and, you know, he said it was such an assurity. I said, just a minute. I said, Gideon, do you know how to pray? You're going to pray for daddy? He says, yes. And I says, okay, you come and pray for daddy. And he come and put his little hand on me. And he prayed just a simple prayer. I can't remember the exact words that he said, you know, just something like, Heavenly Father, my daddy is sick. I pray that you'll heal him of his sniffles, heal him of his sore throat. Just a real simple prayer. And I ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Just like that. By morning, it was all gone. I thought, hallelujah. I thought... I guess he's been prayed for a few times, Brother Larry. I guess he knows what prayer is. He understands that it works. Just like you've talked about the prayer meetings and everything. He understands it works. That there is a God in heaven that answers prayer. And just a childlike faith. In other words, what I'm saying, the word is so powerful in the midst of the bride that even a four-year-old can pray for a preacher. Hallelujah. And that preacher can get his healing from God. I say praise be to God. I thank you, Lord, for this message. I thank you for the reality of it. That is something that anybody can lay a hold of.
Doesn't matter your age. Doesn't matter your position. Doesn't matter who you are. But you can lay a hold of it because the blood of Jesus Christ is more than just protection. It's everything that we have need of tonight. The blood that Jesus shed for me. For all of my sins. 
Let's sing the chorus again. I claim the love Jesus shed. Why don't you claim it for yourself today? For everything you have need of. Those precious bloodstains were made there just for me. claiming the blood just as you play that again softly just keep playing that there there's a man here michael i think his name is wanted to prayer is he here i don't see him here he is here he was wanting prayer why don't you come stand at the front here michael bible says as freely as you have received freely give michael's been diagnosed with something i don't even know what it is brother michael i'll ask you if you'll just lay hands on him because we're all going to join in prayer together bible says these signs shall follow them that believe if they lay their hands on the sick they shall recover and it's not just for healing it's also for salvation we don't just come to him for healing though he gives healing and there was many that came to brother branham for healing but he always asked them if they were right with God. And if they weren't right with God, were they willing to get right with God? And that, that is important because Calvary, the blood that was shed at Calvary, was for our sins and for our sickness. And we're going to pray with Michael here, but let's bow our heads together. And maybe you're, you'll also have a need this morning. And you want to claim the blood this morning as sufficient for everything that you have need of. And as we pray for Michael and we'll pray for you and we'll just believe that God will just bring the deliverance on the scene by the promise of his word. If you believe, ask anything in my name and you shall have what you ask for. Let's bow our heads together this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're standing this morning here with Michael, O oh God. Whose Lord expressed a desire even before the service that the, we would pray for him. Lord, he's a believer of your word. Lord, you're making it real to him. You've shown him, Lord, that you are a healer. And that these signs would follow them that believe if they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. Lord, you even said if the elders would pray for the sick, Lord, that if there would be any sin, it would be forgiven them, Lord. I don't know Michael. I don't know his life. He's new amongst us. But Lord, he's here, oh God, believing you that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord, we just lay hands upon him now and we ask whatever it might be. May it leave him, oh God. May he be delivered, oh Lord. And may his soul line up with your word. May you pour in faith into his life and quicken him, oh Lord. And there's others, Father, that have their hands raised this morning. Others, Lord, out over the internet, oh God, they're at home because they're not well. Lord, we're asking that the healing virtue of the blood of Jesus Christ, Lord, that propelling power of the blood of Jesus Christ that is sent to separate 
separate us from this age. May it separate us from sickness. May it separate us from bondage. May it separate us from every chain. Lord, may it break down every power of the enemy and loose us. For greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We're claiming, oh God, the power of your resurrection. And so may you be glorified as you catch each and every life now. That's reaching out to you and touching the hem of your garment by faith, Lord. Lord, they're not touching me. They're touching you, Lord. Their faith is reaching out to the I am. The one that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Believing, oh God, that you have set us free. The blood that was shed on Calvary has broken every power of the enemy. That we can rise above the things of this world on the wings of an eagle. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your promise, Lord. As we commit ourselves to you now, we commit Michael to you. We commit every need to you now, Lord. May each one be lifted up in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. I claim the blood Jesus shed on Calvary. Those precious blood stains were made. Oh, claim them as your own, just for me.
love him? Are you thankful for the blood? The life of the blood. We don't have the literal blood here. But the life of the blood comes into us. Actually making us, Brother Branham says, the blood of Jesus Christ. Because his life has come into us. That means the blood is what we're all about. And the faith that emanates from you is the effect of the blood of Jesus Christ. Blessed be his name this morning. It's been good to be in the house of God. Amen. Let's just bow our heads as we dismiss in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're thankful to be in the house of God this morning. We're thankful that we could be here to minister to the saints by your word. If it wasn't for this message, there'd be no strength be strength be left in this age. All of your strength is poured into this message. And Lord, we are recipients of it. Oh Lord, may we not be sectarian about it. May we not be withholding it from others. Lord, it's all the hope that this age has is this message. Fill us, Lord, with courage and faith as we're out amongst those that are suffering in this age. May we go with the courage. May we go, Lord, with the joy. May we go, Lord, with a great victory in our hearts, saying this is the message you need. This is exactly what you need in this hour. Come inside the power of God and be a recipient of His blessings. Oh, Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your blessings without measure, without count, oh God. We give you all the glory. For every healing that has just taken place, we give you all the glory. For every deliverance that has just happened, we give you all the glory. For everything, Father, that has moved through your body, it's because of your grace and your power. We thank you for it. Be with us as we go our way. Keep us from the evil of this age. And may we walk with you. And may you appoint our footsteps according to your perfect will. And we'll give you the praise and glory we ask in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Do you love him this morning? Amen. Let's just sing that. I love him. I love him because he first loved I love you. you. God bless you. May you love him with all your hearts. The service is dismissed in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ.